1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm celebrating right now. I'm celebrating. Another wild playoff berth.
0: Tweet from Braden: The wild have clinched, but what kind of negativity will we hear on Mackie and Judd today? He's not even listening. I'm singing a wild song. We know we heard. Thank you. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Why ring the bell?
2: Larson, unable to hold. Parisi has Granlin
0: with him. Parisi sails in for Minnesota. Scores! Unbelievable stretch for Zach Parisi. Well, I just feel really bad for him. He's a guy that's been really durable his whole life. So it's probably, (coughs) excuse me, it's probably (laughs) pretty depressing for him. Um, But, uh, Uh, We just want him to get better. That's probably really depressing for Suter, but, you know, whatever. Well, if he plays like he did tonight, and we've seen him, I've seen him play some really ridiculously good games. Brody. uh, uh, To be able to do it continually will be a real test for him, but he knows
2: that uh, we're relying on him to do it. So it's uh, uh, in the past, it's always been
0: relying on Ryan and Spurge to do it. And I think these other guys, they took this, and uh, they now, hey, it's it's up to me, and uh, I thought they did a really good job at it. Six straight years of playoffs for the Minnesota Wild.
1: And uh, the good news is, I am told that Jared Spurgeon is expected to be back either in the next, at some point in the next three games when the Wild goes out west to play the Ducks, the Kings, and the Sharks, and or he will be back for sure for the start of the Stanley Cup playoffs, which is good news saw a press release from the Wild that they sent out late last night after the Wild officially clinched when the Avalanche lost to the Kings. That said, the Wild and Pittsburgh Penguins are the only teams that for the past six years have made the, the Stanley Cup playoffs, and actually Pittsburgh's run goes back 11 consecutive seasons. And that's fantastic. That's really good news. The Wild, in the in the Parisi-Suter era, has yet to miss the playoffs. Now, the difference there between the Penguins and the Wild is obvious. The Wild has been to six or actually five consecutive playoff berths, uh, and two have gone as far as the second round, and that's it. When you look at the Penguins over the past uh, five seasons when they've been to the playoffs, they have, I'll go through this for you, Phil Mackey, lost in the conference finals, so gotten very close to the Stanley Cup, Mm -hmm. Uh, lost in the second round, lost in the first round, wild like and then won the past two Stanley Cups. So the comparisons end at uh, Stanley Cup playoff sure. berths. But nonetheless, okay, so here, so here's my question for you, and then I'll, I'll go. What is your expectation here? So, so given the fact that Suter is out, Spurgeon's coming back, uh, this team has certainly played well at, at home and had a nice year, what's your
0: expectation? Conference Finals. I think they should get to the Conference Finals. I don't think there's any – I went to said that two months ago. But I don't think, I think, that, again, like the nature of hockey, just because you get in as a lower-seeded team, let's say they play, uh, let's say they're seated between five and eight somewhere here. Well, they're going to be, what are they going to be? They're not going to be a wild-card team at this point. They're no, going to be gonna, one of the three division. They're going to so. be
1: the third team in the Central, which will put them against the Jets, the second
0: team. So, which is a tough, that's a tough draw for them. But, it is. Um, so, that might be their, that might be their toughest draw in the first couple rounds. But, again, it's... It's not impossible. If we're talking the NBA, the Timberwolves are going to get in. They might get in as a six seed, in which they're going to get beaten five games by the Blazers. I can tell you. If they get in as the as the eight seed, they're going to get beat in four games by 15 points or more every game by the Rockets. In hockey, you can't say that even without Ryan Souter. So I, there's a lot. There's been a lot of times in those five years where the Wild was set up with a great roster with a red hot goaltender, and they were the team that was probably the hottest going into the playoffs, right? Or in last year's case, they were just one of the best teams in the Western Conference the entire regular season, and then they underachieved in the postseason. Absolutely. I think they're due to maybe have a little luck be on their side for once. Maybe instead of tilting the ice and getting, you know, 45 shots on goal against Jake Allen and then not scoring or scoring one goal, maybe maybe there's a series here against the Jets where Winnipeg outskates the Wild for six games. But the Wild wins the series four games to two. Hockey gives you that chance. And the Wild, let's admit it, I mean, they, there's been a lot of self-inflicted stuff with them the last five years, but they're due for some good fortune in the playoffs. So I expect Western Conference Finals, and I don't think that's unfair. Do you think that's unfair? Uh, no, it's not. I think that now
1: Now, the problem is to, to unpack my own personal biases against this team at times. How much time do we have? <laughs> I do, think, I do think to myself, well, the Jets are a big, tough team. That's They're a lot very, of luggage. The Jets are good. It's going to be very difficult to get past the Jets, and I think my inclination is that they won't. But the more thought I give this, the more I think about this realistically, and, and the fact that you're playing a good Jets team, but not a team with a lot of a playoff experience, I think at the minimum a first-round win, and, and then a competitive second round. I don't expect conference finals, but... The more thought I give this, I think you're going up against a Jets team that doesn't have a ton of playoff experience. You've seen a ton of examples of teams like the Jets that pop up and get good and then in the playoffs lose their first year in and, and possibly have more success their second year. Paul Maurice, the Jets coach, I'm not a big big fan of. If you ask me the coaching matchup of what Boudreaux will do against him, which in the playoffs can make a difference, I'll take Boudreaux. So I think it's very realistic to say the expectation even without Suter as long as Spurgeon is back the expectation should be that you are extremely competitive and can win the first round. The second round is a toss up because that goes now that depends on who you play obviously. Yeah. But I think that the wild there is no reason why the wild shouldn't get the goaltending, shouldn't be able to get the scoring and if Spurgeon is back the potential defensive play to win the first round and the key guy to me here, too, and statistically, we, we talked about this last week. Statistically, if you look, for all that we complain about Dumba and his sometimes stupid passes, Matt Dumba does a lot. Matt Dumba, I think, is the guy in this playoff for the wild that could emerge easily. So I'm going to put them on the expectation that they get to at least the second round.
0: Um, but but There's no reason why not. Sure. And that's, but that's even that, like, I'm not gonna I, I'm in a weird spot because I'm not gonna be outraged if they get bounced by the Jets because the Jets are favored in that series the Jets are a better team the Jets are gonna be favored and uh, and you can probably only expect the wild to win that series let's say three or four times out of ten is that fair like four times out of ten they win that series maybe a coin flip yeah they're but not gonna be favored right No 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 but but to your point in this sport it's different you're you're right.
1: In basketball, you would call it right now. You'd say, okay, they've made the playoffs, that's a nice thing, and if they last five, if they last six games, that's yeah. great. In hockey, when you're taking on an inexperienced playoff team, and if you get the goaltending, it can completely flip. Oh. So you're right in your call that this sport is the one sport where you could definitely say it can get weird quickly, and a team like the Wild could upset the Jets pretty easily, yeah. actually.
0: Well, let, let me throw another question at you, which might change the dynamic of any series in the playoffs. Is Zach Parisi back? Uh, funny you mention that because I put that in
1: my notes from so so Zach Parisi now in his last seventeen games, twelve goals and sixteen points, including two goals last night. And I think the answer is unequivocally one thousand percent yes. For how long I don't know, uh, it, 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 but it doesn't two, matter right two, now. Two months. It doesn't matter. Two months. He is playing. He is playing fantastic. That line is playing well. The stall line hasn't scored nearly as much of late, but it's still a good line. Zach Parisi being back is huge, and all I can say is if, if you went back now and asked him truthfully, I wonder how much he regrets not having that back procedure done after he got hurt a couple years ago because he now looks—my biggest question was at his age and with the beating he's taken throughout the course of his career— Is this going to be a guy who can come back from the surgery, or is he going to try and come back and can't play the same way that he once did? He is playing exactly that way. So, yes, Zach Parise is back. That makes a huge difference. Their first two lines are playing well. The only thing I didn't like last night, and I I know why they did it, and I still didn't like it, they put Ennis back in and set Greenway. And Greenway had played three games and had not played great. But I really believe that that kid, he's 6'6", and he's big. I think if you're going to beat the Jets, you need him to have experience and to play because he's a guy who you can send to the, the net and can get there. That's I just keep going back to the Blues loss. And the Blues loss was, uh, Allen played fantastic. And he stopped almost every first shot. But what did you have? When there were rebounds, the Wild did not get to the net consistently. But if you've got Parisi now being back, if you can get Greenway to go to the, the net, which is six foot six, he should be able to, And if you can get the other guy who's got to wake up, Charlie Coyle.
0: Well, I mean. I I mean, no, but I'm just saying. He is kind of who he is. Yeah, but
1: if you recall, he was the one guy in the Blues series who at one point in time woke up a bit, and he played pretty well. But if you can get Parisi, Greenway, and Coyle to go to the net, it's going to make a big difference. Back over to Oh, and by the way, can I give you a quick rant, too? National Hockey League. Can we get Connor McDavid, and I know this is not going to happen, can we get him out of Edmonton, Alberta? My God. What happened to them this, this guy. Year? Okay, well, They were supposed to take over the Western Conference. Collar and I have talked about this. Their GM's an idiot. Their GM is a complete... <laughs> he got run out of Boston. Peter Shirelli's a moron. He got run out of Boston. The first Parisi goal last night, the, the Oilers have a defenseman. Adam Larson is the kid's name. Parisi... Just took the puck from him and scored. Adam Larson is the guy, I'm not joking here, that Chiarelli acquired from the New Jersey Devils for Taylor Hall. Taylor Hall is an MVP candidate. He traded him. He decided he had to trade him because he had some pro. He he was a pain off the ice, I guess. For this kid, who is a nice defenseman at best, all right, but that's not my point. My point is, Connor McDavid, if that kid's playing for the Kings, like Gretzky did eventually, for the Rangers, take any major market U.S. team. First of all, that team's on TV all the time in the States. Second of all, guys like you would be like, i got to watch this kid. Yeah, he's phenomenal. That's true. And he's buried. He's buried. At least the Matthews kid plays for Toronto it's not ideal well I mean but they're a big franchise but, by that logic aren't you just saying that the league should get rid of Edmonton uh, okay that's fine too contract them tomorrow but I mean that's... my logic is this you've got a superstar player you've got a a generational game-changing talent mm-hmm. who who casual sports fan would watch in a second. Only casual sports fan doesn't see that kid because their games aren't on in the States. And also, they play in Edmonton at 8.30 at night, and nobody cares. But if you watched him last night, he's this marvelous player. He's got it's speed. Like,
0: it's like having LeBron. I mean, LeBron yes. James does play in kind of an obscure sports. But it's, I mean, like, it's like having Cleveland him in
1: an obscure Canadian market.
0: And never putting him on TV. Correct. Yeah. Uh, did did Dave, you did talk to the Judbot 3000 mm after oh, yeah. last night's game, you right? Bet he bet uh, he was at the game, actually. Because I feel like Judd, uh, I-, I thought Judd would have a few more nitpicky things. I'm pleasantly surprised it was 90% positive there. He did drop in, human Judd. The comparison to the Penguins and how, yeah, they both go to the playoffs, but one team wins yeah, championships. That's, and that's fair. It was mostly positive commentary from Human Judd.
2: Yeah, Juddbot. He, I mean, he had a few things to say to me. Mostly not about the game last night so much. I mean, three nothing shutout. There's really not a whole lot you're going to say about a team that's packed up and uh, ready for the off season. But he was definitely looking uh, looking ahead to the playoffs. Absolutely, he was. Okay.
0: Now let's hear from the Juddbot here. I am so excited for another chance to see the Wild in the playoffs again this year. Can you believe it? Six seasons in a row. Truly an amazing accomplishment for this scrappy bunch. There is only one question left to answer. The only question left to answer is this. Who will be the hero to stomp the Wild's guts out this time around? Will the boys run into another hot goaltender? Perhaps an opposing sniper will light the lamp a few times?
1: Or perhaps we could go with a classic and see again that the Wild aren't quick enough, skilled
0: enough, or gritty enough to compete on a playoff level in the NHL. However it plays out, this year's first round exit certainly is going to be thrilling to watch. Because it's a Cup. Because it's the Cup. Oh, yeah. Oh, you get the little, the branded yep. in at the end there. Yep. Judbot 3000 always on brand. Because, always on brand. Because it is the Cup. Because it's the Cup. Yeah. That's, that's my favorite time of year. Is it When do we start with that hashtag? Is it a week from now? Uh, it's not it, yet, April
1: right? 11th is the first day of the playoffs. So I'm starting week. right
0: now. I mean, I already clearly, replaced my yeah. roll of toilet paper at home with some uh, heavy-grain sandpaper. Oh, grit. Because it's the cup. Because it's the cup. Yeah. You need
2: to have grit this time of year. I'm yeah. using a straw this morning because it's the cup. Because
0: it's the, the cup. cup. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's good. It's good. It's nice.
1: Um, All I know is I come in here every day, and I, I speak positively
0: about Minnesota Wild. I was
1: very positive today.
0: Yeah, the people on Twitter were expecting you to urinate all over a sixth straight playoff bid, but you uh, you would withheld that that? for now. Uh, The weather outside is very hockey-like today. I was telling you guys before the show, we've got the traffic cam up here. If you were in a coma and you woke up today and then someone opened the blinds or just shoved you outside and said, all right, guess the date. You would guess 130 different dates before you guessed April 3rd.
2: Not to mention, you'd say, I just got out of a coma and you shoved me yeah, outside. Right. That is a mm-hmm. jerk move, my yeah. man. Jerk yeah, move, buddies.
0: Nice. You'd guess all the December dates, all the January dates, all the February dates, probably at least half the March dates, and then go back into November. It might be more than...
1: Where the, you know what? Quit complaining.
0: We are the Bold North. Okay, Dave St. Peter. We are the Bold North, you bunch of wussies. Fighting people on Twitter. You
1: bunch of wussies. Put your snowmobile suit on and come down to the damn ballpark and check out Bat and Barrel.
0: We're only the Bold North when we want people from Los Angeles during Super Bowl (laughs) week to not hate our city. We're the Bold North. It's Embrace the cold. And And now now it's like, oh, God, baseball in 48 hours outside? It's ridiculous. Um, Let's talk some twins when we come back here, too. Also, a fair question about the stance of this show, mostly me, but you're coming to my side. Two prominent youngish players that we tend to treat differently on this show that we can get into that discussion too. Uh, the Vikings made a pretty sneaky wide receiver signing over the weekend that we uh, we didn't get to on yesterday's show. A pecking order, Jason Stark makes his 2018 Talking Twins debut at 11.30. And then Armin Katayan was the co-author of the new Tiger Woods biography, that uncovers all kinds of new information and stories. We'll talk to him at twelve fifteen. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie and Judd are back.
2: Man, that sounds good. On fifteen
0: hundred
2: ESPN, swinging a high drive to right field. It is Grand Salami time. Colin Moran, the New Bucko. I just didn't make a pitch. I mean, realistically, one swing cost me four runs. Um, and then, you know, the walks didn't help the situation um, for them to have that. So I got to be better next time out. But today was one of those things where if I made one good pitch in the first inning, I uh, might have got out of it with just given up the, uh, the one run, but it, it didn't happen today. Yeah,
0: not, not a great debut for our guy, Lance Lynn. We did see the Grand Slam while we were doing our show in the noon hour yesterday. Uh, He did shut it down for, or he shut the Pirates down enough. He walked everybody, but he pitched four innings. And I think main takeaway from yesterday, though, for me, Lance Lynn will be fine. I I don't know if he's going to be the same guy he was pre-surgery, but he'll be fine at some point. That offense, the Twins' offense, is going to keep you, no lead is going to be safe. Like a five-run lead in the first inning, the Twins' offense is going to keep coming at you with Dozier and Maurer. I mean, they even the bottom of the order. Like, Jason about, Castro puts together some at-bats, and Buxton. Obviously. How about Max Kepler getting a double off a left-handed pitcher? Correct. He drove that ball. That's looks, a great sign. Max
1: Kepler looks fantastic. It's what, three games, four games? But Max Kepler looks absolutely fantastic so far.
0: He does. That's something to watch, the, the left-handed factor, because he's essentially a platoon-caliber player now because he hits like a buck fifty off left-handed pitching. But he looked really comfortable. It was one pitch, I think. They brought a lefty in just to face him one pitch, and he doubles off the wall. So that's ideally for the Twins. That's a trend now that he's going to... Justin Morneau was pretty bad against left-handed pitching early on and then became a really good hitter against lefties yeah, after like his second or yeah. third year. Yeah. So here's a question. Honest assessment. Mm-hmm. I'm much more critical of Andrew Wiggins on this show than you are, but even you have come to my side of the fence over the past few years. And uh, I've had a bunch of people over the past few months, even going back to last year when Buxton was struggling like a year ago, ask some variation of this question. Why are you so hard on young Andrew Wiggins, young developing Andrew Wiggins, but you give young developing Byron Buxton a free pass? Do you think that's a fair question for this show or for for me, your co-host? Yes,
1: I think it's a fair question to you, but I think I know why. And I think it's two things. Uh, One is the development of a baseball player is probably different than every other sport. In basketball, you play college basketball. You're a star. There's nothing stopping you from stopping in and be or stepping into the pros and being very good immediately. Mm-hmm. Football, same thing. Hockey, same thing. Baseball is is been documented. It just takes time, and and it's a lot of at bats, and it's not only at bats in the minors. It's then taking what you learn in the minors and processing that and going to the majors and having success, which again takes time. I think that is, I think that's the first re- reason why there's a difference between. Andrew and, By- and Byron in your mind. Uh the other thing and I think this is the most important though is for any of us who uh who watch these games on a regular basis and or are around these teams the demeanor, the devotion, the dedication totally different. Yeah. Andrew Wiggins doesn't I where I've come to your side and and this is the thing that that frustrates me the most. There are some times that you look at a prospect or a player who you think is going to be good, and he fails, and you say to yourself, scouts and fans and us misjudged it. Just wrong. We were just wrong. There are other times that you look at a guy like Andrew, and you look at him play, and you watch him attempt to apply himself, and you can see he doesn't, and you say, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. This kid's got the ability. He's not using it. Mm -hmm. If Byron Buxton looked feeble and looked like he didn't care, I think we'd rip him. I think we'd say, this is a waste of talent, it's too bad, and it, there's a good chance it's not going to work. But Byron Buxton, to me, if there's a fault there, seems to care too much. Andrew Wiggins, the more, I, the more I watch him and the more this goes on and on and on, I see a guy becoming more detached from the job lots of times, not all the time. I see a guy lots of times becoming more detached from the job, as opposed to saying I've got to improve.
0: Yeah, I think you. Ha- so to me, there's there's three reasons why I'm a lot harder on Wiggins personally than I am on Buxton. You touched on a couple of them, and just to expand on it, I think it's easier whether you're 18 years old or 20 years old. Whenever you come into the NBA, it's it's in NHL is the same way. It's easier to impose your will as a young player in the NBA than it is in baseball when you're at the mercy of seeing pitchers that you've just never seen in your life before. I get that you're seeing opponents and, and players of certain sizes in the NBA that, that you've never seen in college or high school, but if you're a skilled enough shooter or if you're a skilled enough athlete, you're going to grab rebounds and score points and be able to play some defense. And you you can impose your will and skill more easily right away in the NBA. I mean, you ought, for, I know that LeBron James is a lot better now than he was when he was a rookie, and Karl-Anthony Towns is better now than he was a rookie, but... Like, if you're, the, if you're the number one overall pick in the NBA draft, historically, 80% of the time, you know within five minutes of watching those guys, okay, that there's something special here for sure. All right, pretty clearly Ben Simmons, I mean, he missed a year, but Ben Simmons comes in and right away, he's like a triple-double threat every single night. Uh, Anthony Davis, right away, you knew it didn't take Anthony Davis four years to figure out how to play basketball and how to be efficient. It didn't take Derrick Rose early on before the knee injuries. It didn't take him forever to figure out how to be aggressive and play with passion and get to the rim on a regular basis, right? Mm-hmm. In baseball, Mike Trout needs 150 plate appearances to look like an idiot when he comes up. It just more often than not in baseball, you come up, there's not a guarantee that you're going to be good in the first 1000 plate appearances, so there's some exceptions on both sides obviously, but for the most part what you said is right. It just takes longer in baseball and it takes more patience in baseball. But I'll I'll, I'll put this out there too. I think Byron Buxton, even with his flaws, is just better at his sport relative to his peers. And he's already the best at something in his sport, which Andrew Wiggins can't say the same thing. Buxton is the best defensive outfielder in the entire league, and he probably will be for the next five years until his speed starts to decline. So he can already state claim, even though he's a flawed hitter who swings and misses too much, who hasn't put together a full season. He's streaky. He's off to a pretty slow start at the plate. But he can stick a flag in the ground already and say, "I am the best defensive outfielder in all of baseball." And maybe because of his position, he might just be the most valuable defensive player period in the league. You could split some hairs with a couple shortstops, or maybe uh, maybe Kevin Kiermeyer Now that he's healthy in Tampa Bay, is a center fielder. Andrew Wiggins can't say he's the best at something in the NBA. And I'll take it a little further here too. Win shares. It's an all-encompassing. You know, how valuable are you, and you account for offense, defense, everything in your sport. Wiggins ranks 238th in win shares this year. It's his fourth year in the league. Buxton's 60th mm-hmm. last year, when you include pitchers as well. Mm-hmm. So relative to their peers, he's a better player. They're both flawed, but Buxton is a better player and can stick a flag in the ground that Wiggins can.
1: And you know, and we we pick on these guys rightfully so uh, quite a bit, when guys do not attempt to reach their potential, it drives you nuts. Sano is an example in baseball. Miguel Sano drives us both nuts. Why? Because Miguel Sano, for all the power that, that he possesses, and natural, God-given athletic ability, doesn't use it. He doesn't use it. Mm-hmm. So there are baseball players that drive you nuts, too. The Buxton's flaws, you never look at Buxton and say to yourself, I wonder if he worked h- harder. I mean, you you say, I wish he wouldn't l- listen as much to pe- to people at times. Yeah, he's like get changing the, his swing. Get rid of in the, the leg of, yeah. kick. Don't do that, kid. But Sano and Andrew, to me, are similar in the sense that you look at them and you say to yourself, okay, there are times that you look really good and you have good games, but my God, if you ever use your abilities to their fullest, you would be an all-star consistently. And Sano's at-bats now drive me nuts. I mean, it's home run, strikeout, 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 home run, strikeout, strikeout, double. That's not a great player. That's a masher. Or at third, third base. He makes a he makes a few good plays and he's got a cannon for, for an arm and you say okay but if he lost twenty five pounds he could stay at third base for how long yeah and be I, a really good and and potentially be an all star player then. I
0: think it's about so we'll bring Sano into this conversation too Wiggins Sano and Buxton three of the most they're all they're all relatively young still they're all just filled with potential and I think all three of them if they were to maximize their potential could win MVP awards right. And to your point, Buxton is the one out of those three that seems most obsessed with his craft, almost to a fault sometimes, where he's just, he's talking to everybody who will give him advice over the past three years about stances, and he's changing his swing pattern two or three times in a year to try and get to the ball quicker. He ru- literally runs into walls for his sport mm-hmm. and goes on the disabled list. He plays with passion. Um, he's he's playing at full speed. He thumps his chest. Like, there's passion there. And maybe that's a bias. You know, maybe... maybe Maybe Wiggins has passion too, but it just manifests in different ways. But I, 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 just like I look at those three guys, and I think the guy who's trying the hardest to maximize his potential is very clearly Byron well, Buxton, and so that's another reason why he gets more of a pass from me.
1: I've told you this for a long time. In w- Wiggins' case, what drives me crazy, and he copped to this his very first year after the first Cleveland game, when he when he had a great game. Beats the, they beat the Cavs or they, they gave them a good game and Wiggins was fantastic. And he told the media that was a motivation game for me. And right away I said, hold on a second. You don't got to play 82, but you can't pick and choose them. You can't just say, well, we're playing the team that traded me and so I'm going to show them, which he, by the way, did, which drove me crazy. In fact, I, I wrote something after that game saying, this is not a good sign. Yeah. You can't, if you've got the talent, to give LeBron James and the Cavs a really good game, then you've got the talent to give the Hawks and the Grizzlies, and you don't see it consistently. So I really think that this comes down to watching people play, especially potentially great players, and seeing that they're giving, at times, a fraction of their talent, yeah. and it
0: drives you nuts. So so Buxton, uh, he's he's played four games, he's, he's had 15 plate appearances, and has three hits, so it's just, you know, whatever, We're, this needs to play out over the course of several weeks and months, but... He's off to kind of a meh start. And if if you guys think that we're not hard enough on Buxton, but never let Miguel Sano get a pass or or Andrew Wiggins, if you disagree with us, or if you want to chime in, 651 646 8255 877 615 At some point here pretty soon, we got to talk about the Vikings signing Kendall Wright. We'll get to a pecking order. And also uh, Jason Stark makes his 2018 debut on our show at 1130. And Armin Katayan. One of the co-authors of the new Tiger Woods biography will join in the noon, Mackey and Judd. Phil Mackey, Judd Zogad.
2: You could say that 10,000 times and it know. still wouldn't be enough. It fires me up, man. I love it. Say it one more time.
0: Mackey and Judd. Does
2: that feel good? Yeah. They're both verbs. Awesome.
0: On 1500 ESPN. The
2: pitch. swinging a high drive to right field. It is grand salami time. Colin Moran, the new bucko.
1: And so he, he hit that Grand Slam, and I, I think we both said, who? Garrett Coltrade. He was a Houston prospect, a okay. big-time prospect for, for the Astros who yeah. uh, the Pirates got in the Garrett Coltrade. That's where they got him from.
0: Yeah, the Astros have a never-ending supply of ridiculous players. And the Twins, that's your lifeline right there. If you keep developing, like Brent Rooker's going to start at double-A. He was drafted less than a year ago. That's that's what you need. You need guys like that as currency, either to come up and contribute or to trade for Garrett Cole and Chris Archer.
1: It's amazing what you can do when, when you draft well.
0: Yes. And it's also
1: amazing to go back through the Twins drafts, what, the past uh, pre-Falvey, the past, what, 10 years, 12 years? Yeah. And understand how really poor a lot of those drafts were.
0: And it's not just... It's not just the lack of good players you have on your major league team that you know that that's the result of bad drafts. It's the lack of currency. It, almost more importantly, it's the lack of currency, where you get in front of a team that's looking to trade off a good pitcher at the trade deadline, and you're kind of in contention and you're hesitating because oh, I don't know, we uh, we only have like three good prospects. Don't want to trade two of them. So better if you got fifteen of them, you're gonna say, all right, pick three. Who cares? We'll we'll just keep drafting and finding more. What do you want on the uh, Wiggins and Buxton? conversation are we being hypocrites when we are critical of young developing Andrew Wiggins and mostly giving Byron Buxton the whoa well, be patient card if you want to chime in 651 646 8255 877 615 here's another example and why I tend to be more patient with baseball players especially baseball players that look like they're doing everything they can to try and get better or to figure out how to solve their you know their Achilles heels and their flaws Tim Beckham was the number 1 overall pick by the Tampa Bay Rays in the 2008 June draft out of high school. He was a shortstop out of high school. And Tim Beckham, he was 27 years old last year between both Tampa and Baltimore. He got traded midseason. It was his breakout year at age 27. Yep. That's a, that's an extreme example especially for a number 1 overall pick, but he he toiled in the minor leagues. He was a bad hitter. Uh, he he didn't really hit for power, he didn't really steal bases, but he played good, good enough defense to get some time in the major leagues. And finally last year, the guy hit 20 bombs, he drove in some runs, he hit 280, like he finally had his breakout season. That doesn't happen. and You don't see it in the NBA where a guy gets drafted at 19, number one overall, or number two, number three overall, and then wait a decade and, oh, and here comes the payoff with maybe even another team in this yeah. case. So there's there's so many examples like that where it just takes a guy – Time to figure it out. Or up and down. Torrey Hunter, up and down, up and down. Okay, he's 25 years old now. He got drafted when he was 18, and now he's figuring it out. In the NBA, people are going to say, "Well, Demar Derozan. Demar Derozan. He was not a number one overall pick. He was not a. a, He wasn't. I don't think he was a lottery pick. Uh, He was late. He might have been like in the teens somewhere. But Demar Derozan is a great example. It took him four or five years trying to figure out what his game was. Now he's an MVP candidate." But that's the exception, well, not the rule, ambassador. And the
1: Derozan—I I know the comparison gets brought up quite a bit with him. But the Derozan thing is, I didn't watch him play en- enough to know. Did he find something, or did the light go off here? Because with if if Wiggins truly—if you thought he was giving us
0: all—ninth, by the way, ninth pick.
1: Okay, but if you thought that that Wiggins was consistently giving us all, and it just wasn't working. I think you might say, "Wow, it's, this might be too bad," and I feel for the kid. Wiggins doesn't do anything that makes you feel sorry for him because the talent's there. He's not applying it, so so it's very difficult to make comparisons to players that you don't see play on yeah. a daily basis. Wiggins, we see play all the time, and we know exactly what the problem is. And and as far as Buxton goes, too, um, my clock on, on him is ticking. I do want to see consistency. I'm not saying he's got he's got to be great at the plate. I do. I think that this needs to be the year, though, where we do see a consistent approach. the The leg and confidence thing, I get, and and early on in your career, putting in a leg kick and taking that out, and then changing this or or that, is frustrating. I get that,
0: but to me, this is the key season in, in which I want to see Buxton become consistent. Uh, here's a tweet from from Colin, and this is it. Like this is what we've been saying too. It appears Buxton always goes all out, even when he falters. Wiggins turns it on and off. Just look at Wiggins' defense. He can be great when he wants to be. He just chooses not to be 95% of the time. So that perception definitely matters, and maybe it's, maybe it's a bias, but I, think, I do think it matters, and it's why I look at Buxton and say, man, he's the amount of work that guy puts in and, and the amount of passion he has for his craft, he's not too cool for school, right? He's just all out all the time. There's a too cool for school factor with Sano and Wiggins. Almost definitely. That just you look at them and it's it's almost like well, you know, they don't want to admit that they have flaws, so they're just gonna kind of ignore the fact that they have flaws. They have the they they both have the
1: same problem of I've always been good and therefore I should just be good. Not, oh my gosh, this is a professional sport now and everybody's good. Yeah. So so if, if I'm going to achieve greatness, I've got to do more. Their flaw is I'm I'm giving as much effort as I did at Kansas. And if it's not working, that's not my fault. Well, Well, no, that is your
0: fault. Here's another thing, too. I think the gap between, again, reality and expectations. In the NBA, when you draft someone, draft status absolutely matters. When you're drafting a player, and now granted, the Cavs drafted Wiggins number one, although I think the Wolves would have, too. I think almost anyone would have drafted Ender Wiggins with a number one pick. When you draft someone with a number one overall pick, you're expecting instant productivity and an instant all-around player, at least to some degree. And a franchise-changing guy that you can you can hitch your wagon to for like a decade, right? That's when you draft number one overall, and it doesn't always work out that way. You know, Anthony Bennett wasn't right. a colossal but a player, bust. like yes, exactly. Um, but in baseball, that's not always. And and by the way, Buxton wasn't the number one overall pick. So let's just say high first round picks in baseball. You know, in baseball, you know that that guy is going to be in the minor leagues for at least two or three years, and then it's going to take him another year or two maybe to figure it out once well, he gets to the major leagues. So Royce Lewis isn't going to touch a major league diamond for at least a year, best case scenario, probably more like two or three years. And even when those players emerge, you're not expecting, all right, now like Royce Lewis as a shortstop, number one pick, you're probably going to expect something more. Um, But you're just hoping for a productive player. If you draft high in the baseball draft, you're hoping that that guy emerges and becomes one of just a really productive player, not a future Ten time All Star necessarily, but if you can just get something valuable every day out of that guy, you know th- that's the number one priority. And the NBA, it's the ex- the expectations are higher for those picks mm-hmm. because one player has more influence on a court than one player does on a field in baseball, and it's just easier, the, like I said, to imp- to to, and to use in, your skill and will to impose on opposing team.
1: In football and basketball, y- you are getting what you at least perceive to be a a mildly finished product. In baseball, you're not if you take a high school kid the kid might be very talented but you don't know for sure mm-hmm. so football and basketball you basically in those two sports say okay the feeder system is college and they're done now and so this kid's going going to go right from what essentially amounts to i mean it would be like if you drafted baseball players from double a right Right, if you, you, if you could go you, to Double A right. and say, "Okay, I'm going to draft from, from here," then that player you, you probably would expect to have up on your big league team within a couple of years.
0: Yes, so or and, or maybe even right away and be productive, sure. if they're that big of a star, like Bryce Harper. All right, I mean you, Bryce Harper was a guy you saw him swing in high school, and you said, "All right, I think that guy's going to figure it out to some degree in the major leagues pretty soon." Mm-hmm. And he came up when he was 19 years old too. So, oh, uh, you can you can chime in. We have our Twitter mentions open here, so we see you guys chime in. And Hugh, Hugh says. People seem to forget we loved Wiggins his rookie year and even most of his second year. This might be my anti-Tom Thibodeau bias, but I'd like to see how Wiggins would do and the entire team with a different coach. And I think, like with Wiggins, if I could reframe it from "Here's why he drives us nuts" to "Here's what he could do to not drive us nuts," if he were to just not take as many dumb bad shots, if he were to, just, if if a coach could get through to him and say, "You are supremely talented." these spots on the floor. And if you could become a better free throw shooter, you could even you could enhance that even more, right? Because yeah, yes. then you could just get fouled and go to the but, line and sink 80% of your free throws.
1: But what you're saying is if he would apply himself and consistently work at improving his game. He
0: should know that, too. Which shouldn't be a problem. Yeah, I would think that someone in his camp would even have access to some information that could show him how you could be a more efficient, valuable player. So the fact that either he ignores all of that or that no one has made a good enough effort to get through to him... Those are just maddening things to sure. me. Sure, and you're a max player. Work at it. Get better.
1: There's no, I mean, the free throw sh- shooting drives you crazy, but there's no there's no reason to accept the, the fact that he is always go- going to have just certain areas of the court from which he can shoot from. Become a three-point shooter. You can do it. You got the body. You got the skill. Work at it. He doesn't. He and Sonella seem to be very, very happy to remain good at what they can do and, and they strike me as guys that probably work a lot on what they're good at already and don't work on what they're not good at.
0: Mackie and Judd in the TCL Broadcast Studio, six five one six four six eight two five five, And uh, we'll get to a pecking order. It's very timely based off uh, happenings this week at 10 o'clock. Jason Stark, 1130. Armin Katayan on his Tiger Woods book at 1215. <laughs> Mackie and Judd now continue. No way. You can't just stroll up and be welcomed back by everyone. Hey, welcome back. On 1500 ESPN.
2: Test your golf knowledge and sign up for 1500 ESPN's Majors Fantasy Golf Challenge. Ahead of the four majors and the Players Championship, you'll be able to select your pro dream team. Then after each tournament, a winner will be crowned. First up, it is the Masters this week. The winner of this round will receive a two-night golf trip for four to Craigins Resort. Make your picks before 6.55 a.m. on Thursday uh, to be entered. Head to 1500 espncom Sign up today. It's quick. It's easy. And you can win yeah. a nice little golf trip. Did you
0: guys make your picks yet? I
2: did. I did last week, yeah. Nice. Got right on and did it.
0: I did too. Tiger Woods definitely one of my picks. He's in tier 2 though. Kind of a slap. In I didn't the face.
1: Pick, I didn't pick Tiger from that He's
0: in group. Shot. Tier 2. I didn't pick him. How Sorry. about this dude? He's doing some there's some guy on the range here who's got like some kind of a small elevation uh, device on his right foot is that to simulate uneven lies maybe? Is that what we're doing on the range here? Almost like he took a batting practice ball and cut it in half and strapped it to the bottom of
2: his foot. That's what that looks like. It's his
0: back foot. It looks like he's simulating uneven lies on the driving range. Uh, CBS Sports Network is doing Masters driving range coverage right now, two days before the actual tournament starts. And when Tiger Woods is hitting his shots off the the tee at the range, they actually have the the tracker. Like the how mm-hmm. far the ball flies of and the, they do. the tracker. on the driving I don't range. blame him one bit. He put one in the trees, but I couldn't tell if the driving range is kind of divided. It kind of splits and there's trees in the middle. And he put one in the middle tree portion. I don't know if he was aiming. Oh, yeah, he was. He no was? Doubt. Okay, he's, no he, doubt. Clearly. <laughs> had it's Tiger Woods.
2: It's the range. You think he's going to hit one <laughs> off the hosel or something? This
1: TCL TV, since we started doing this show together, has been on ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN News, NHL, MLB. Boys, I think it's a first today, though. I don't think we've ever had CBS Sports Network on this TV before. It's the first
2: time they had something <laughs> remotely interesting, I like, think. What
0: do they even show on? They, they basically just rerun CBS Radio Network shows. Yeah, they right? got a
2: little Rome, okay. Time to Shine.
1: Time
0: to Shine. Adam,
1: <laughs> Adam Shine.
0: <laughs> Let me tell you something about the Philadelphia oh, no. Eagles. No, it's always
1: the Jets. The Jets the are New Giants. New
0: York football Jets. The New York Giants. Pelicero fills my, in for my, him sometimes. That's not bad. I used to listen to that guy That's not bad. Ten years ago, he used to host Sunday morning pregame of NFL network radio. Yep. So whenever I was driving into the Metrodome for a Vikings game, he was just taking calls. Let's go to Bobby in New Jersey. Ah, fire. I can't even <laughs> do the voice.
1: <laughs> wow. <laughs> he made himself cough. <laughs> What he Turn like. that back. On. That's good. <laughs> no, he's he is also always on. I saw him at the combine about five years ago, and and he's like, I don't know why he either knew who I was or asked me, and the personality didn't change. And he wasn't on the air. Just, oh, Judd, great to, great to meet you all. Oh, Fancy, I love your stuff. I read your stuff in Minneapolis all the He's like, no, you probably don't. I read your stuff all the time. It's like, <laughs> Shiny, we ain't on the air. You can tone it down. <laughs> it's
0: like those, it's just those Jim Nance commercials with Charles Barkley yes. and Samuel L. Jackson, and he's just always on. Tell yes. everybody. I'll go make us some sandwiches. I'll be right back. And he walks down the hallway. Yes, Adam Shine never turns it off. Here is your forecast for home baseball at Target Field starting in 48 hours. By the way, in case you're wondering when is this snow nightmare in early April going to stop, my iPhone forecast tells me it's going to snow until like midnight tonight, so however many several inches we're going to get until midnight tonight. Tomorrow, it'll be uh, sunny and 30, but then opening day, not too bad. Overcast, 39 (laughs) degrees is a high. I mean, you can play in that. Then we get to Friday. Well, Friday's an off day, though, right? Correct. So they get it. This might be actually a stroke of luck because Friday is 22 degrees as a high <laughs> in Minneapolis. Realist. Yes. That's
2: not according to the Five Eyewitness News for it. What's yes. Dave they call, saying? They call 35 on Friday. Oh, That's a oh. big disparity. We got controversy, though. Who do you trust? They're saying 36 on Thursday. Your iPhone says 38. Who but do then you we're trust? going thirty-five versus twenty. I mean,
0: this is really different. So why does I count on Dave? Why does the why does Apple say twenty-two degrees on Friday? Well, maybe
2: Apple doesn't. Uh, maybe Apple doesn't know us, Minnesota. That's a nat- right that's a
0: national forecast.
1: I trust Dave too. Dave got Listen, booed. I count on Steve at the Wild Jobs, game last okay. night. What between between periods? Your eyewitness news forecast. Oh, the heading homecast, largely ignored most of the time, right? Well, Dave gets. Well, it's snowing outside and it's gonna be it's gonna start snowing tomorrow morning. Boo Dave got booed louder than anyone else at DX wow. last night. As he poor, should. Poor Dave. As he doll. should. All
0: Dave's doing is trying to do his job. Kill the messenger. And the wild fans are booing him and I can't say I blame him. But at what point so let's say uh let's let's you know, let's just split it down the middle here. Let's say they play a game and the high is gonna be below freezing. Like the high temperature, yes. not counting wind, and let's say it's gonna be ten degrees wind chill. Yes. Are they going to play? Because the, the Mariners aren't coming to town again. And yep. then who, they they play somebody else. Houston. Houston. Yep. Not coming the to Strolls. town again. Uh, so uh, um, Mike Rand in the Star Tribune did a piece on this and talked to
1: Dave St. Peter, president of the Twins, yesterday. Dave St. Peter told Mike Rand, quote, a lot of variables go into assessing whether you're going to play. Air temperature is one. Wind is another. And of course, precipitation is the biggest concern. Beyond that, you think about things like whether a team is returning over the course of a season. So here's my question, though. Honest to God, why on earth are you sending in one-trip teams to target field in what it essentially, slowed, yeah. what is you know, late March, early April? Like, why, why is this not the Tigers and Royals?
0: Yeah, I agree. If you
1: had them play here, okay, it doesn't work. They're coming back a thousand times. You're sending in teams that you're now going to have to find common makeup days if you can't play a double h- header within the course of your upcoming series. Yeah, and I
0: would think, I mean— don't they say that humans put together this, the actual schedules in baseball? Isn't that – or is that just in the NFL? Like one of the leagues, you'd think, oh, they must have like a I computer program. I don't know. I think you're right. I think it anymore. is
2: yeah.
0: human thought put into it. So, But even if you're using some sort of computerized you know, system that gets you 80% of the way there, it'd be pretty easy for someone to look over and say, all right, here are the <laughs> – Let's go uh, Minneapolis, Chicago, Detroit, even Pittsburgh, New York, anything that would be in danger of having snowfall in early April or cold temperatures. Those teams for sure play road games the first week. And then when they host opponents, like you said, it's got to be teams that you face again at some point in your division, whatever it is. It's got to be a team that comes back so you can reschedule a doubleheader or an off day later in the year. Of course. Because imagine if these games get snowed out or cold. This is the question that I don't... St. Peter was responding to people on Twitter just with the, hey, we're the Bold North. He didn't give an actual answer on how cold is too cold to play baseball. But if they decide two of these games against the Mariners just can't be played... You have to find off days, well, where you might be going from Houston to Detroit, and then on that Monday off day, you go to the Seattle comes home or whatever.
1: The purpose of starting the schedule in March w- was be- because I believe they built in what six more off days d- during the course of the season. So here's what makes no sense: if you're going to do that and you want to assure these teams essentially of being off, why don't they put the Twins on a two week trip to start the season? Like the players aren't going to care. No, the players aren't going to give a damn if they're if they don't get to Target Field till. T- April fifteenth. Yeah. So so now what you're essentially doing is you're saying, well, we're going to start the season earlier to give you more off days, but then we're going to take those off day- days away because we're idiotic enough to send the Seattle Mariners. The Seattle yeah. Mariners have a one better climate. Two, I believe that there's a canopy type of roof on that place. Mm-hmm. Why is this series not in Seattle? Isn't Seattle? Is it, is it retractable? I, Seattle might be. I retractable. think it's retractable. It's gotta yeah. it be retractable. Yeah, but my the point being is why is this series not there?
0: Yeah, you're right. You're going to get no pushback in this room. It makes no sense. A nine-game road trip to start the season would have been fine, I think, by all parties.
2: Sunday forecast, mix of snow and rain changing to snow, high of 38. Bull North, Bull North, Dave. It's good. Bundle up. I think that's the kids' opener, too. All the kids get a free T-shirt or something when they come in. Unfortunately, (laughs) little Jimmy passed last night of pneumonia (laughs) after he
1: went to the kids'
2: opener.
0: You could do snow angels around second base instead of running the bases, too. It'll be a great promotion. Little Jimmy won't be partaking, though, because he died. (laughs) Little Jimmy has died of uh, severe (laughs) hypothermia. Case of pneumonia. Uh, Pecking order when we come back.